Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The Premier View Tipperary GAA podcast has just got its very first sponsor. The podcast is now proudly sponsored by MerchMonster.ie. On MerchMonster.ie, you can buy personalised hoodies, t-shirts, polo shirts, personalised snood face coverings, and a whole lot more. They've even got a product personaliser over on their website. Go over there and check it out now. They deal in one-off orders and also in bulk orders, class hoodies, T-Man work polo shirts, and everything else in between. Go over there and check them out now. It's MerchMonster.ie. Now let's get back to this week's show. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Premier View Tipperary GA podcast. Today's episode has an interview with Cahal Marker-Lane of Fancy Hurland and John O'Shea of John Mitchells and Warwickshire GA in the UK. But first, Marty. Bring back Tomas Castello. Looks for the return of a former All-Ireland winner to the tip colours as Marissa joins us to talk about the Galway game. Right, Tip got back to winning ways in the National Hurling League this weekend with a five-point win over Galway. Uh, while the footballers had a three pints of spare over Wicklow. Uh, we go to the Hurland first, and it was on first on Sunday, on Saturday. Uh, Marissa, before we get into the Hurland, um, before the game, it came out that poor Al Bonner was after uh, doing his Achilles and is out for the foreseeable, a terrible blow for Tip and for Bonner himself. Yeah, absolutely. Um I, I don't think there's there's much to be said that hasn't already been said about Bonner Maher. Um, he's an absolute warrior. He has been for, for Tip for 13 years and for, for Lura for even longer. Um, 
you know, Liam Sheedy spoke really well after the game, saying that, you know, he's he's set the pace for Tipperary. He's he has has set how they train, what their attitude is like. He's the fittest man of the panel, he said. So it's a huge blow, not just for Bonner himself, but for the team. Um, you know, Liam said they wanted to go out there and they wanted to play for him, and it just shows how well regarded he's he is by his his peers and you know, there was nothing but sympathy for, for Bonner uh, online and, and from fans as well. Um, and also this this notion that if any fella can come back, um, it, it's Bonner Maher. He's, he's 31, but as, as Liam said, he's fittest man on the field. And if anyone is going to be motivated to, to overcome this, it, it's Bonner Maher. Yeah. He, uh, Marty, he's... He... As Marissa said there, he's kind of a talisman for Tip and he, he sets the tone. He was a big loss for us any year that he's been out. And and I suppose with the with the game that Limerick play especially, he would have been a guy that would lay down a marker against him with his work rate. I think so. His work rate and physicality would even the likes of Limerick and Galway, they're definitely teams that you benefit from having Bonner on the field for. Um I mean you benefit any day he's on the field, but those teams in particular, um, it's just it's an awful pity, especially after 2019, because I think he was going very well that year and he did cruciate. Now, you know he's after he's he's gone again for another year. So especially at the end of his career, um, because he has given so much to Tipperary, and if if we do win win stuff, you want him to be there in the fields, you know. Yeah, um, because I think um. I think even Brian Cody once admitted that if you could have any Tipperary hurler, it would be Bonner Mayer. That's it's probably as much praise now as anybody will get from Brian Cody. So <laughs> any tip, man? I think anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it's it's it speaks a lot because we've a lot of we've a lot of skillful, flashy hurlers. But at the end of the day, Bonner is kind of the heart and soul of that team. So hopefully yeah. it'll push the rest of the lads on. And I mean, if yesterday's any indication, the lads aren't afraid to get down to work now without him. So. Yeah, but uh, yeah, sure. Look, hopefully, hopefully the the recovery will go quick for him anyway, and hopefully it isn't the last we've seen of him either. Absolutely, hopefully we'll see him again in the blue and gold. Just before throwing, then the the another Lara man went down with an injury. Marissa, uh, you must have caught the the bug up there uh, lately. But uh, Brian Brian was replaced by by Barry in the goals. Um, before the game, a concussion, I believe, is what is being reported. I think. Yeah, it was uh, reported that he picked up a head injury during the week. Um, hopefully, um, he'll be fine, and and we we might thankfully there's a there's a week's break now, and and we might see him back for the Westmead game. It'd be good for him just to get a run out before championship. I don't think there's any doubt that he has a fight in his hands now for the number one jersey, um, and and you know it'd be great for him to get one or two games under his belt before Liam Sheedy has to make that decision for championship. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Marty, I suppose Friday evening then the, the teams were named um, just before we get into the game itself. But uh, a few surprises maybe on the tip team. Obviously, Brian Hogan was due to come back in. He was named He was named at number one. Hardy was moved into the, the full back line instead of Brian McGrath. We had uh, Robert Byrne was getting his first start in the half back line with James Kendi continuing in the in the number six role. Um, and then start, uh, start for Dylan Quirk in the forwards. Um, I suppose... Uh, a bit of a surprise, but then maybe not so much a surprise considering Galway made nine changes going into the game. Yeah, well, I mean, um, trying things is one of the things a lot of people have been saying that they want to see Tip do during this league. 
Um, I think probably the biggest shock for me was seeing Paddy named a tree. Now I know he was there for a bit against Cork, but we've kind of had our issues with Paddy at fullback before. But I think the way a lot of oppositions are setting up at the moment, um, isolating the fullback, uh, the full the full forward, the fullback, and dropping high ball on top of him, isn't isn't the way the game is going at the moment. So Paddy might be a bit better suited. Um, aside from that, then to see the likes of Robert Byrne. Dylan Quirk get a go. I think everybody's a bit, a bit happy to see things like that. You know, new players in, new blood. Even if they're not starters, uh, come championship, they need the they need the game time and the experience to come off the bench. Um, so um, yeah, um, I'm not a surprise to see Paddy Cadell get a start. I think the the biggest surprise there was he hasn't started before now. Um, he's a a major major prospect, and he yeah. Uh, he definitely adds something to that midfield. Um, so, his fellow, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him start and come in championship, but at the same time, um, there's a lot of players to pick from there, so it's kind of hard to know. Um, but he'll have a part to play anyway, and uh, it looks like he'll have a good one too. Yeah. So, Marissa, going on to the game there, obviously, um, we, we won the game by five points, but the first half was, was probably... I think, like all these games, they're probably broken down into quarters now, but it was um, kind of a nip and tuck affair. I, I thought we certainly dominated the first 15, 17 minutes of it. Um, Paddy Cadell, I thought, was excellent in that in that first quarter. Um, but probably didn't put it on the scoreboard, but um, got off to a great start. Uh, a super goal from Jason Ford. Yeah, absolutely. Super goal. Um, and as much credit has to go to Noel McGrath for, for that spectacular pass as it does... You know, Jason had a lot of work to do to finish it off. And I, I, I was looking back on it. It nearly went straight at the keeper. And you would have thought that if his body was positioned just slightly different, he might have been able to get the save away. But there was enough power behind. And I think the whole county kind of breathed a sigh of relief that we finally managed to put a ball in the back of the net after after um, three games. But I don't, I don't think anybody expected a Galway goalkeeper to make a save. So I, I think you're <laughs> totally wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> that's not I I am staying away from that <laughs> um, but yeah you mentioned Paddy Cadell there he had a storm in first half like he set up two unbelievable points for for Bubbles and for Noel McGrath Bubbles I thought was seriously impressive in that first quarter especially you know he was really physical in the forward line which is something we 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 needed in that game I think um, and he was really impressive with his shot selection. And I think he got two from nearly identical shots out near the sideline. Um, really, really impressive from him. And I, yeah. Um, yeah, so decent decent first half overall. Probably quite in doubt in the second half. Paddy Cadell probably got caught in possession a few times. Lo- like loads, loads of promise from him. Um, just a, a, a lot of learnings as well, I suppose, from that second half. Yeah, uh, Marty, we had one five scored at, at the first water break and only finished the half with two seven. So that second 15 minutes, uh, we really struggled. Um, Galway outscored us eight points to one two. Um, we saw points in uh, another trademark bubbles point, uh, as Marissa said, a, a lovely risky score off the sideline. And Robert Bourne uh, popped up with, with a point. And then we had Ford's goal there just before, before, um, or sorry, McGrath's goal from a Ford pass there just before half time. But we needed that goal, didn't we? We uh, we did, um, but I think we kind of fell asleep after that goal. 
Um, I think they, I think Galway might have scored five uh, without reply between then and, and the half. So I, I, a lot of that might have just been down to the intensity that we were playing up to them and just a bit of f- fatigue maybe. You know, it's, it's, it's very hard to keep that intensity going for the full 70 minutes. So I think we kind of got there. At the same time, Galway still went 20 minutes without getting a score from play. And I think a lot of that was down to just our work rate and our intensity. We probably started fouling a little bit too much and kept them in it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was kind of disappointing to, to kind of tail off after the goal and let them back into it because we could have been more comfortable at half time, especially when you had that wind in the first half. And I don't know if it was as obvious on, on the match, uh, on telly looking at it, but it was, uh, it was very windy yesterday. Mm. I think um, the fact that Jason Ford and uh, Joe Canning missed what might be considered handy freeze by their by their standards kind of is testament to that so um, yeah just a small bit of fatigue maybe settling in after after the high intensity um, and, and I think that was that was right in the second half you see with our bench really made a difference so yeah that that second quarter probably Joe Kenning was the most influential player I think in, in that in that second quarter uh, especially from freeze he, he, he was very good on the freeze but that was probably as as Cadell went out of the game, Canning came into it a bit more. But um, what's Galway's thinking? Do you think Marty there with with Canning in the middle of the field is it fitness or will we see him there for the championship? I think they've kind of always had a had a thing with Joe Canning. What can they do to get the most out of Joe Canning? Because um, he did start his career on the edge of the square and he's gone further out the field the older he's gotten. A bit similar to to Noel McGrath, maybe who started in the corner and. We've seen him popping up in our half back line from time to time in the last few years. Uh, maybe not named there, but he does show up. Um, so I guess I, I think with them, it's just can they get Joe Canning more involved in in a creative role, uh, spraying the ball and and uh, the, I suppose it's become a bit of a cliche, but the the quarterback role um, at, at this stage because. Um, he hasn't been as influential on the scoreboard from play for a number of years, so maybe they're just trying to to make make use of his other talents rather than, you know. Yeah, um, I think that he did that really well yesterday. His his distribution from midfield was really impressive into the forward line, and he he managed to turn over Paddy Cadell there. Might have been a little bit of an experience from Cadell, but you know he he was really physical in that midfield there at at one stage of the game. So. I think for them, it's more just to have another option. You know, David Burke is injured at the moment. He'll probably be fine for the next game. But it's always another option for them to have at midfield because they're constantly chopping, changing in that line. But I thought himself and Johnny Crone worked well together. Yeah. Um, Michal, I don't know who was, would have been part of the Tipperary, I suppose, backroom team back when Noel was moved out into the middle of the field. Do you think there's a bit of ape and the, the, the tip... Um, mantra there and seeing what Noel did uh, when he went out there that Joe, Joe could potentially do the same thing for Galway and, and set up attacks from that position um, I, I don't know maybe if it's an ape and tip kind of thing but I think there's a couple of a uh, couple of counties like that have that type of player be it Noel McGrath or Joe Canning or Tony Kelly and he's just trying to find the best position on the field to get the most out of him and uh it doesn't necessarily mean them scoring five or six points from play 
you know, it's 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 their work rate and their vision maybe is is more important. And Galway trying it. Whether Joe Canning has the legs for that, you know, a lot of people you talk about Noel's age, but Joe's a few years on Noel too. Like so, mm. um, I think when he went off and Brendan Mayer came in, uh, we just totally took over in the middle of the field again. So it's a big issue for Galway if they're going to play Joe there and they don't have a suitable replacement for the last quarter. Um, it might work out for them as well as as they'd like, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so moving moving on to the second half, Marissa, um, we saw Sheedy make two changes at halftime. Um, John McGrath and Dylan went off, both of whom had been largely anonymous, I think, in, in, in the first half. So Sheedy wasn't showing any... Um, he, he he was he he was ruthless there and taking him off, and then we saw more changes, I suppose, in in the second, in the that third quarter. But I think I described it in the the match report as being absolutely dire. It's probably one of the worst fifteen minutes of hurling I've seen in a long time. Um, yeah, to be honest, even the most diehard Tipperary fan would have been excused for for nodding off a bit during. I think it it was just so stop start. You know, when both teams are introduced in seven stubs. You know the the whole game is 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 broken up and you know taken to freeze then and and place balls and and all this kind of thing. It just it was it was difficult to watch. Um, but two smart substitutions at halftime, as it turned out, as you said, John McGrath, Dylan Quirk, not not contributing a huge amount. Dylan, it was great to see him get a start. He's proven himself to to be worthy of a start, I think. But just um couldn't bring the form on the day and um, John McGrath's been struggling for form for lately um, and you know but Paul Flynn and Isla Mara did really well uh, when they came on and I think it was the subs that really made the difference throughout the half you know you saw Michael Breen coming on in the 60 minute mark uh, and he made a huge difference Um, you know Jake Morris for, for Dan McCormick as well came on a little bit earlier than that Um, you know Jake probably needs game time to, to prove himself you know he had a starting position last year I don't know if you can guarantee that this year um so he just he needs that time to to kind of show what he can do yeah um Marty we had 13 wides I suppose wides is something that we've been speaking about um we didn't have 13 but there was 13 wides in that in that spell both teams couldn't seem to to hit a barren door um, I think it was four points each after the, the 15 minutes but I think we we hit about six or seven wides and, and they hit the other another six or seven but it, it was just real bad wasn't it yeah actually I remember during the match asking you for the stats and it was some stage during the second half it wasn't that late into the second half and uh, you said we'd 15 wides and I think that's what we finished on in the end yeah it was 15-4 so kind of, yeah and I think did it end up something like 15-14 15 each I think you know so each. Galway 15 each so mm-hmm. yeah so I don't know. I mean, it says maybe that uh, that goals that they were both shooting into. Um, obviously, it might have been the wind. Um, when we had most of our wides in the first half, and they had most of our wides in the second half. So, you know, that 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 one goals it might have been the same. You know, the same issue. But uh, uh, like, yeah, though some of the shot, shot selection was was poor, particularly in the first half. Um, like. I love Dan McCormick, but God, he needs to stop shooting <laughs> from distance. Like you know, um, it's okay, Dan. You can you can let it in around the square or something. You don't have to get in the score sheet. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you had great long range points from Barry Heffernan and Robert Byrne in the early half too, and 
Ronan popped up with a few then later on as well. So, um, yeah. I'd love to see Ronan Maher's success rate, like in percentages from the amount he tries versus the, like, they're always sensational points, but for every point, there always seems to be at least two or three wides. Yeah. I, I, I haven't him down for any wides yesterday now, but yeah, he, I'd, I'd say his percentage rate isn't that bad at all, actually. I think it might be better than um some other halfbacks in the country. I know um some forwards even too. Some <laughs> forwards maybe, but Dermot Burns at Limerick would drive me mad if he was hurling for tip because he seems to have four or five long range wides uh every game, but for the highlight reels afterwards only get the amazing ones anyway. But um Pawdy I think might be a bit more guilty of the the long range wides. Yeah, so um, we we mentioned we mentioned the subs there um, coming in, and Michael Breen, who is so I suppose look is inconsistent, and I think that's he he's he's such a talent, and when he's on song, as we saw last year, he's he can be a driving force, and then then you're the next day you're tearing your hair out because he's he's either missing or he's anonymous in the game, but he came in and he scored. I think that I, I would consider him two brilliant points. Plucked him out one straight from a puck out, another from a long ball in and, and over the bear. Um, he made a big impact, Marissa. Yeah, he absolutely did. And and what he brings most, I think, is is physicality. And I think that's something we will desperately need with, with Bonner out. Um, so I don't know if you have much choice but to to try him out. I think he'll definitely start against Westmead. That and you know, with no disrespect, I don't know how much of a test that will be. But we'll see. But yeah, two two great points, and like he he only came on in in I think it was the sixtieth minute or something. Yeah. So you know we had ten scores overall, and how many of them were? I think there was one, two, three. You know, four of them were were our subs. So it kind of showed the impact of the bench as much yesterday. You know. Yeah, Marty Brendan came on, and he got a got quite a an important score at the time. Um, and considering, I suppose, the week before he was just on, and he missed a, missed a point, uh, a score that was that would have been that, that would have been important. But this time he got it, and it was straight over the bear. That, obviously, the extra week of training is, is means that when when he's coming on, he's that bit sharper. Yeah, and and the influence he had in the game, point aside, I think uh, we we took back we took over in midfield again uh, when he came on. I think um, I mean Brendan Maher is going to be starting come championship. We know that. Um, could be interesting whether he'll end up in the back in the midfield again, maybe, since that's where he came on yesterday. You know, with Bonner out to be a few changes and things moved around. Um and I think we're we're we seem to be getting really strong in the half back line. Um he he probably not much talked about him, but Seamus Kennedy was I thought he was superb yesterday. I think he's nailed down to the number six jersey now at this stage and I can't see him being dislodged if he says Ireland the way he is. Uh, he went off late yesterday. Brian McGrath replaced him, but the game was over at that stage. So, Marissa, yeah, finishing up, uh, we pulled away, but there was a, a sending off there, I suppose, just before um, whatever, with about seven or eight minutes to go, an off the ball incident. Um, Charlotte Mannion got the road. Carl Barrett was on the deck. I didn't think you could really see it from from the replays, but uh, it, it had a big bearing on the, on the results, I suppose, similar to Barrett getting sent off last year in the championship. This this meant that we probably pushed on and, and scored the last four points, I think, without reply. God, we were out on their feet. Yeah, um, I mean, it, 
TG Kehar obviously found it hard to pick up. It was a couple of minutes later by the time they had the the replay up and it, uh, it didn't show too much. I don't know if it had as major an impact on the results as people are saying. Obviously, going down to 14 is never an ideal situation. But by that stage, our subs were on. They were making the impact. And I think they had a far bigger say in the results than, than the sending off. You know, we had edged ahead. Um, so it was it was an off the ball incident with with Cahill Barrett and, and Barrett ended up on the ground. What it was for her, I didn't see myself, but you know the umpires seemed to be the ones that made the call. So it was you know we'll have to trust their eyes. Yeah, we. we... I think I think Jamie Wall was now I, my Irish wouldn't be uh, exemplary by any manner of means, but I think from what I can gather, Jamie Wall was kind of saying that. He saw it because he was up that end of the field, and he says, "Yeah, it was, it was fair enough. Like it was, it wasn't anything real malicious, but yeah, he he had to go for it, like so." Yeah, and and I suppose does that show one the maturity that Barrett has now that he didn't react back, um, and then that bit of experience, you know, play the soldier, hit the deck, and and your man gets it done. I think the difference in attitude between Barrett between this year and last year is night and day. I think he's just, he has seemed to have copped on a small bit because in fairness, at the end of the day, I think he's the best cornerback in the in the country himself and, and Finn of Galway or of Limerick. And um, if he just lets his hurling do the talking, you know, that's all he needs to do. So thankfully the last three games, I think he got man of the match yesterday and he's probably been our standout player in the league so far. He's just putting his head down, going about his business and, uh, that's all he needs to do, really. Yeah. So back of that, I think we should we should also mention our other cornerback in in Barry Heffernan. I thought he was fantastic yesterday. Connor Whedon was nearly non-existent in yeah. the game. You know what? He did yeah, so he's, well he, Bar- Barry has has really. I mean, look, even back as far as twenty sixteen, Barry was really showing impressive. You know, a lot lots of he was very impressive in the league, and he got a couple of bad concussions, and he kind of drifted in and out of the team for a while there, but. He's another lad now I can't see not starting come championship. He's very solid, very dependable and, and got a nice point there as well yesterday. So Yeah, yeah I think alongside Cahill Barrett, he's our most consistent player at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think coming into this, I suppose we all knew that Barrett was going to start at number two and we were missing a four, but uh, Barry Heffernan certainly has that number four short nailed now. Um, I, I think we're, we're in a good place there in the fullback. And they've been our most consistent line, I think. Um and it lets Ronan out into the half-back line as well, which is where we get the best out of Ronan, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, that's something we've been talking about here for a long time, is how, how to, to get the best out of Ronan and that he needed to, to be to be let out into that half-back line. And I, I think I think Ronan is our best um, best player in, defensively. I think he, he's... He, and I think he's up there with, with, with the best hurlers in, in, the, in the country. And, I mean... As as you said, Marty Seamus Kendi has been such a revelation. He, he he's an old style defender, isn't he? You know, he he just does the simple. He doesn't thing do first. anything fancy. Yeah. No, he just he he does what he's asked to do, and um, yeah, just I mean, since the the twenty nineteen final, he's been he's been very consistent, very dependable. Uh, I think we were in hard luck. He got injured last year before the championship, and. Um, yeah. You know that was that was disappointing, and it cost us, I I think. But thankfully, he's 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 back in there now, and he's he's back to where he was. So 
Yeah, and uh, Marissa would say Paddy obviously played fullback yesterday and and was very comfortable there. Looked to be very comfortable there. We had Brian McGrath probably playing, maybe certainly a game and three quarters at fullback um, leading into this. And I, I thought he was very good there against Cork at fullback. I was actually disappointed that he he wasn't there again yesterday. I'd like to have seen him got another shot at it. But then we also had Robert Bourne come in uh, at wingback, and I thought he was very very steady. For, for a guy making, and I'm sure there were a lot of nerves there making his first start. Um, I thought he was very steady, very dependable, strong, and gave away a couple of frees, but I mean, no more than no more than anyone else, I thought. Yeah, I was really impressed with him. As you said, like it's it's never going to be easy making your first start, um, especially against a team like Galway. But I think he did he win one of the opening frees the game, uh, you know, scored a point as well. And you know, he was solid enough filtered out but again that's nearly to be expected you know with, with that kind of game um, so really impressed with him Yeah Marty and then in the middle of the field um, we was obviously Cadell played well with Brendan Maher coming back in we, we spoke about Michael Breen um, Noel was there again obviously Noel is just a, an, an architect uh, probably played a bit in centre forward as well yesterday Alan Flynn is kind of in and out here. We'll probably need to settle on a midfield partnership, do we? Uh, I think we probably do. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's it's, it's interesting. Maybe the, maybe the next day against Westmead is the day to try and settle on that. Uh, whether they want to do it against Waterford and potentially playing Waterford a, a couple of weeks again after it is that playing a team at the end of the league and then playing them nearly straight away again the championship is always a bit of shadow boxing, but. Um, I think at the same time there'll be a lot of horses for courses. Um, you'll see lads maybe not playing traditional positions. I think um, Brendan Maher is going to be there either in the half back line or midfield, and he's going to be picking up the danger man. I think whether it's Tony Kelly, a player, or whether it's you know um, Joe Canning, if Galway are playing him out there, you know. So um, I think he'll probably be doing that marking job. So. That's him, and and Noel kind of is, is kind of better in the Roman role. Um, I was I was just just from a personal personal thing. It was great to see Noel play so well yesterday because there's been a couple of questions about Noel since the back end of last year or whatever. But um, his just his pass for the goal was just sublime. He got his own goal, a couple of points himself. So you know, um. Yeah, I, 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 I'm given, I'm, I'm given Noel McGrath and John McGrath to a certain extent a free pass on last year, and I think their their club, the, as you as you well know, obviously been a lot more man. The, the club schedule that they had last year was phenomenal. Getting to the two finals, losing the two finals, um, must have taken so much out of them. And then obviously the, psychologically, the, yeah, yeah, and then and then the weather, um, yeah, is not a it's not a, a Noel McGrath type. Was not a Noel McGrath type type. Uh, no, I, you know, funny enough, I I I I wouldn't say that the weather would be as much of an excuse maybe for maybe for John. John, he's he's a skillful hurler in the country, but he's a bit more agricultural maybe than Noel. <laughs> um, but and I'm and I mean that in the in the most positive way that it can be taken. Um, like I I I love to see John McGrath isolated on the fullback on the edge of the square because I'd back him nine times out of ten to win that tussle um, but uh, yeah look to be honest for me 
both of them have enough credit in the bank to be given the chance to play themselves out with a bit of, bit of bad form in the way maybe you know maybe it's harder to, to do that for some of the younger lads who who maybe aren't um, you know putting their hand up um, as such but John does need to rediscover his form there was a few flashes now against Cork and there was a few flashes yesterday I think he he was involved in the setup for Noel's goal and I think he he assisted another point as well just yeah he just needs to I think once he gets his head around it or whatever and he finds form he'll be flying it again yeah um, I suppose the forwards are, are a bit of a small bit of a concern Marissa we're, we're finding backmen and um, that, that look like they're they're capable of coming in. None of the forwards seem to be putting their hands up and saying, pick me, pick me. It's They seem to be playing themselves out of contention rather than into contention. Yeah, it's not something I'd be overly concerned about yet. I mean, you have Jason Ford as, as a certain starter. Bubbles looks like an absolute starter for championship at the moment. I'd be putting Noel in there as well. Um, the rest of them, you know, Dan McCormack, Niall O'Mara, Jake Morris, John McGrath even, they probably have, um, you know, a, a bit more work to do, but I suppose it's a good complaint in the end of the day. You have Seamus Callan coming back. I know we're missing Bonner now, but with Seamus Callan coming back, you know, it does create more options for Liam Sheedy. I'm sure Westmead will throw up a different sort of challenge that will show but just to, to piggyback on what Marty said there about John McGrath, I mean, I, I definitely think his best position is is one-on-one with the fullback uh, on, on the edge of the square, you know, to having seen him play for UL, especially in 2018 when they won Fitzgibbon himself and Jason Ford just had a magic link-up for UL that year. And I think, I can't remember the final goal tally, but it was certainly impressive. And they were just constantly feeding off each other and I think that's just been lacking a bit for Tipperary, but it's, it's you know, they definitely have that connection there. And I would love to see if John starts uh, full forward and, and just see what he can do there. Um, is, he, is he a starter right now? No, I don't think so. He's a he's a nailed-on starter for me. Um, Seamus Callanan, I think, comes straight back in I, as well. Um, yeah, and, and it can't it cannot be understated the influence Seamus Callan has in that forward line. Yeah. Just the movement that he brings, the leadership, the work rate, it just everybody performs better with Jamie on the field. So Yeah, um, and that's, he, that's, the, space, the space he creates, I suppose, around him. And because he needs watching himself, he, he creates space for, yeah. for the other guys. Yeah, yeah, I just I think at the minute John's pace is is probably missing a little bit. It it caught him out a few times yesterday. I I look we all know what John McGrath can do. He's as magic as his brother and, you know, I I would have no begrudgings of putting him in the starting team, but I just think based on the last two games, you know, it, it's not justified, not for a championship as of yet. Mm-hmm. A lot can change in the last two matches. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's there. I think there is a case, too, of where the training is, is quite tough at the moment. And, and we have seen guys flagging, uh, especially kind of coming in. And, and they're obviously not, they're not um, tapering off as they're coming into games. They're probably training as hard as they would. Um, yeah, like we're, th- we're three matches in, three matches on the bounce after just three weeks of training. You know, that can't be understated. Fatigue must be 
very high at the moment. It'd be great for them just to get this week's break now and come back against a team like with Meath and just see where you're at or with, you know, regroup and then head into the Waterford Challenge. Yeah, at this point, Marty, we we have a chance of winning the league or certainly topping our group um, and being joint winners of the league. Um, we we need Cork to to um, to get beaten, but that Westmead game is another. We're going to get two points out of that. Do you stick? We need Jake Morris, I think, to start and, and have a good run of form um, in that. Dylan Quirk, do you, does he get another start that day? I would I give Dylan Quirk another go. Um, I, I was very disappointed with him yesterday. I thought he was largely anonymous, um, especially he's wearing a red helmet there, so he should stick out. But I'm afraid he didn't, and um, it it was very disappointing. But he's still young. He has bulked up a lot. I I definitely would give him another go. I don't think there's anything to to be lost by giving him a go, because um, I can't see him as a championship starter this year. Bear he starts knocking in hat-tricks in the next couple of league games but you want him to have the confidence that if he comes on in a championship game that you'll get the you know like what Bill did or what Michael Breen did yesterday and get the, the point or two uh, Paul Flynn is a great example of a lad uh, again I'm not sure Paul Flynn is a starter for tip but when he comes on he generally gets a couple of goals and he'll get you a point or two and that's what we need you know we need the the, the the three or four lads to come on the forwards towards the end the end of the game to to get you that score or two and they need the game time in the league I think to get that confidence and get that so I think if you drop if you drop him it knocks his confidence and then you know might take him a while to rediscover that so I'd start him against Westmead uh, I'd start Jake against Westmead and I'd probably start John as well and like play themselves on or off the team Sim- simple as that like. Um, yeah. Give Jason Ford a rest against Westmead. Um, if Shamey's back, yes. Um, if Shamey's back, I would. Um, just because you know what you're getting from Jason. Um, so yeah, I I I don't think there's there's any need for anybody to play five games in the league anyway. Yeah. So, so I I think we'll so maybe Carl Barrett and, and Barry Heffernan have played every minute so far. I think and. Um, they they probably deserve a rest uh, or their arrest against Westmead. Owen Connolly has been on the bench. James Quigley have been on the bench for the last two games. Anyway, they, they should probably get a a run out against Westmead. James Quigley has been uh, he's probably been the standout fullback in club hurling for the last number of years. Um, so I think it would be. Um, be worth giving him a shot. Um, he does tend to foul a lot, which he might not get away with at inter-county level the way he does at club, but he's definitely worth giving, giving a look at. Owen Connolly is definitely um, definitely a player for the future. He's been very <laughs> impressive with Cashel club, uh, club-wise. Um, so, I mean, Brendan, is, Brendan probably should get a start the next day because he hasn't started yet and he needs to get, the, he's to get minutes in the legs as well. Um, I wouldn't be making wholesale changes just for the fun of it. You don't want to... There's no point giving lads chances if they're in with seven or eight other lads looking to get a chance too because then you don't really get a proper sense of it. But um, Paddy at fullback, I'd probably persist with that. Two cornerbacks probably could do with the break, all right. 
Uh, Robert Byrne is worth another go at wing back. Um, as you said, like he did foul a lot for me, but the same time is to be fair to him, it was his first first start, as you were saying, and um, that could be nerves. And that that's something that can be worked on. You know, he wasn't getting turned badly or getting caught out or anything like that. So there's there's promise there for sure. Uh, Seamus Kennedy is another lad could probably get the break. Um, you know, um, just. I don't know, Ronan is a kind of fella, I, I don't know, Ronan should play any day he's fit. We need to sort out that middle of the field, but beyond that then, um, I don't know, I've, I've kind of been against loads of changes and maybe I've just advocated for a load, but, um, but no, no, Jake, Dylan, John, that's three or forwards to start. Shame, you'll probably come back into that. Um, Noel, Noel should probably stay there all right. Um, Dan was disappointed. Wouldn't mind seeing Dan get... Maybe Dan was just tired, I don't know. But I um, don't think another game do him any harm anyway. So, so yeah, that Westmead game is obviously just uh, two weeks, I think it is, um, up, up in Westmead. Um, just uh, to finish off with yesterday's game, Marissa Marty did his player ratings there on the PremierViewPodcast.com. He gave the man of the match, as did TG4 to Cahal Barris. Marty was advocating, I think, maybe using his uh, his bias and looking for Noel McGrath to to get man of the match on Twitter, but came to his senses and gave it to Cahill in, in, in the match ratings. But he, he, Cahill Barrett was by far the best tip player on the field. He, he was by far the best. Um, and, you know, I don't know if I would give him the 10 out of 10, um, but, he, you know, he definitely was the best player. I thought followed very quickly by Barry Heffernan. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've said it already, so I won't go back, but I was really impressed with him. And yeah, you know, Noel was involved in, in a couple of things, probably had a few wayward shots, um, but I would overall agree. I don't know if I would have rated Noel higher than Barry, but, you know, maybe we should all have a say in this next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I did put it into the WhatsApp and said I was happy for uh, changes to be made. Um, I will have, hold my hand up and say that I will be biased when it comes to... Yeah, just to, just for the record, if, if a Cap White man ever makes it onto the, the county team, they're getting 10 out of 10 every time they play. So you're, you're all right, my book man. <laughs> Bring back Tomas Castello. Yeah, very good. No, the, the, that, was, um, that was it. So obviously we won 2-19 to, to 20 and it sets us up for the for the final two rounds in, in two weeks' time. Merchmonster.ie don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on Spotify and SoundCloud and all our social media platforms. Premier View Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Premier View Pod on Twitter. And tip over to our website and subscribe for updates at thepremierviewpodcast.com. But earlier on, I sat down in the PV Pod headquarters with Cahal McArlane of Owen Rua GA Club in Tarua. Okay, Cahal McArlane of uh, Fantasy GA, you're very welcome to the Premier View. Good morning, Mike. Great to be here. Great That's good fight. stuff. So you, you're, you're the man behind uh, FancyHorland.ie, FancyGaelicFootball.ie. It, uh, I presume it started out as, as a fundraiser, probably still is, but has taken on a life of its own over the last number of years, I think. It, it has now, thank God. It's, it's basically a, it's a fundraiser for our club for basically raise funds for the youth developing the hurling in, 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 in our club here in the Gen. They uh, started about 10 years ago um, just a bit of interest in fantasy football and stuff. Um, we did through the sort of club members, emails, 
ripped down their team in a bit of paper, a bit of crack more or less, and then uh, it developed then in the send out emails to maybe clubs that were connected with down, you know, down around Tip and, and Waxford and Cork and different places in Limerick and all. And then we've got a few more extras in, and then we've got a few inter county boys. Like so Joe Canning was one of our first, one of our first celebrity champions, um, and it just sort of spiraled from there. And um, thankfully, in our club, we had a with a parent of uh, a couple of our kids who was big into uh, web web design and such, or uh, developing websites, and he basically then created the website that we didn't have to go through the email. It was more or less everybody clicked on and we able to add it to your players and we able to get the transfer systems and stuff sorted. So it really took a new lease of life once we were able to click on a website and people were able to register through there. And then obviously the amount of inter-counties, players, especially in the league, obviously it's difficult for them to enter the championship because they're involved. But they're most a lot of them enter the league like Austin Gleason, guys like us, you know, um, Super, Kane Lynch, Darf, is given. I could, I could name a pile of boys. Uh, and then former stars, like your own Tipper Eamon, Shane, Shane McGrath uh, in this year again. You have your likes of uh, Addy Brennan, Jackie Terrell. Galo's the main one, probably. Um, there was a pile of, I, I probably shouldn't be naming men because there's so many of them. <laughs> and they're really driving that on because they're having a bit of crack among themselves. So it's talking to you at least life now. You know, it's great. Yeah, so you, you mentioned Dalo there. Their podcast is obviously going very well. And Larry Ryan um, and Dalo have a good old banter on Twitter there. Larry Ryan, of course, a centenary man. But <laughs> they, um, they have a good old banter on Twitter about it. That must really promote your, your product. Yeah, to be honest, they, they, they probably, and again, relax yourselves getting involved in the championship. And there's a lot of podcasts involved, but the, the dealers won last year. Now they they probably they probably sectioned off about ten minutes each each podcast to slag for Mark Landers from Cork. Yeah. Of course, your own your own tipman, uh, Larry Ran. He's the bragging rights over Anthony Daly and Derek McGraw and Brand Hogan, all them all them crew. So uh, TJ Ran Limerick, obviously TJ's great crack and all. So uh, it's definitely added a new dimension to the games because everybody's everybody feels like they're 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 part of it then you know so they're really playing against them so yeah it's great so so the fundraiser your own club is um own rua there from from dungannon that's it's a fundraiser for for yourselves uh you have a lovely new clubhouse up there i was looking at it this morning on online it, look, it looks fantastic uh you were senior champions in tyrone in 18 and 19 lost the title to carrick moore last year but you're doing great work there in tyrone uh, at the moment. Yeah, the, the, but Austin Kirk Moore sort of the two main uh, senior clubs here in Throne and sort of uh, they win one and we win one and so on and so forth. They have probably a bit more success recently now than before. Um, but I, we are hardly the only club here in Throne, which is, which is I'm sure surprising the next year's half and tip. But the, uh, we're driving on at youth and we're traveling all over Ireland. Uh, we're going 75 years. Thankfully, the likes of the Fancy Hearn Money's had developed. Uh, Towards the likes of change rooms and with floodlights and new pitch and community walkways, probably the best thing we've ever done. And the amount of people in through the doors that maybe aren't connected to GA, hurling or football, you know, and then all of a sudden they have kids involved and the numbers, numbers are great now and we're, we're flat up, you know, so it's, yeah, really, so it's really good. Yeah, Tyrone obviously would be known as a, as a football county, a very successful football county. You're, you're a club surrounded by football clubs, I believe, up there. Is it hard to get people involved in hurling or is it, is it, is it tricky um, because football is so popular? I, th- I, think, I think here in the end, I'm, I'm sure Kirk Moore is the same and, and Neve Palm Kill, Oma, if we have we pockets of, of hurling clubs, you know, 
uh, and they probably would find it difficult in relation to lads. You know, obviously, football is the main thing up here. Uh, but there's very, very passionate people about Hearn, too. Uh, as, as much passion as anybody in Tipper, Kilkenny or Cork. Um, and then, to be fair, they're driving all these clubs on with maybe seven or eight clubs, maybe at under eight, under ten uh, age group. You know, uh, uh, Ben Burb and, and Tullacogue and Ballygolly uh, 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 have a team now too. So there's there's pockets of pockets of um, underage hurling coming from different sort of areas now, which hopefully will will gain momentum and we'll get more 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 hurling clubs up here. But it's, it is tough now with football, but we we keep keep flying the flag, you know. Yeah, and and this year you have, uh, I suppose, we would consider it a coup down here. You have uh, Terence McNaughton in charge of your your senior hurling team. Um, he's obviously well renowned in hurling wise and all. There, that's a that's a great coup for for the club uh, to get in a manager of his caliber. Yeah, absolutely. Sambo's a great man to be involved, uh, but the county on at the minute is difficult because we we obviously the split season and stuff, so he hasn't really got a chance to see our lads. But things are going well. He's he speaks, you listen. He he, he, he takes a lot of respect with him. Um, and we we knew him probably from years ago. We'd come down the odd time to dinner dances and did an odd an odd coaching session here and there with Andre's and all. So we we know him quite well and with good connection with the Christian Doll very old club in Ottawa. Actually, big into fantasy too. So they are. they've yeah. won the the club comp a few times. So I ah, it's great, great to have Sambo Sambo turns involved now. You know. Yeah, and there's a there's obviously a big Antrim connection in um in Tyrone Hurland. Cormac Donnelly is involved with the Erol club, and uh, I think you have the manager of your own your own county team is Mikey McShane. Um, so you're obviously looking looking towards Antrim to, to give you a, a help out. Yeah, to be fair, all, all the all the Ulster counties, uh, say there's a lot of passionate current people. So if you ever need help from from anybody. Uh, whether it be in Down, Derry, Vermont, Armagh, whatever it is, Monaghan, you know. So if you ever need help, to, to be fair, hurling people are all very generous in their their their, their voluntary activity, you know. And obviously, Mickey McShane's involved with uh, throwing seniors. It's great to have him involved. Um, he's obviously renowned for uh, bringing Slap Neil to so close to All Iron Club. So it's great to have the guys like that involved. Um, and the same with different clubs here. They've usually somebody from outside the county. Coaching, coaching, or whatever you know, same as Neil Campbell, same as Omar Stavon, whatever you know. So it's great that people are people are willing to to give their time to help out the the hurling clubs here in Toronto, like you know. So yeah, so uh, Tyrone uh, as a county they play in the Nicky Rapper Cup. Um, Damien Casey, your own club man, is one of the main men for 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 Tyrone. Beaten in two semi-finals, I think, over the last couple of years. Uh, <laughs> probably looking to push on maybe this year and, and try and try and win the title. Yeah, hey, I would say yes, definitely. Especially with Mickey and Mickey McShane involved. Uh, we have a lot of good young lads from our club and same with Kirk Moore and, and they, they probably and Jack and newly slave in the throne. I'm actually involved with Monaghan, uh, so thrown bit Monaghan last week. Uh, again, you know you've heard about Damien. Uh, Damien's class acts. Um, so it's they've, they've a good chance of a good life now in the Nicky Rackers. It'll be tough, the likes of and stuff. It'll be hard to beat. But thrown probably ten years ago, we're winning Nicky Rackers sort of regularly and Dory Mars and stuff. So probably this new new lease of life. Hopefully, as a couple of young lads come through, will hopefully bring bring them to the next level again. And they definitely would stand a good chance when the Nicky Rackers is gone. 
Yeah. So, so you, you mentioned there that you have a pretty thriving board and old club in, um, in Owen Rua. Uh, you have good connections in, in Tipperary, I believe you, you make an annual trip to Mullinahorn. We do, we do, down to Jack Kennedy and the boys. Uh, I, so one of our members, Eamon Davin, made the connection maybe 10 years ago now. Uh, and we've been travelling to their Hurling uh, Festival every year. Unfortunately, it wasn't on last year because of the pandemic. But hopefully that's maybe back on this year, maybe next year. I don't know what the crack is yet, but basically they have an under-12 tournament and the likes of the Pasek and Limerick and Kenny, Dainsford and a pile of different clubs from all over Ireland go to it. And we are very blessed along a couple of odd uh, Ulster clubs, uh, Rossa and St John's and Givens, one of a few times, all travelling around it. Uh, so it's great to be involved in a, an annual tournament of that where we can go away on our parents. Basically, that's their summer holidays. They book their holidays, book the hotels in Kilkenny City and stuff. Come right on <laughs> yeah, so that's 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 their summer holidays. If you're again hurling person, uh, make you we, know. So we have a, we have a south tip man on this podcast, and if you if you heard that the people from the north are coming on holidays to south tip, we'd all be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> we have to you have to priority years ago. Uh, people in the north would have booked their holidays around the twelfth to get away, and now yeah. with the modern sort of society, people can take holidays here and there and everywhere. It's, it's a bit it's a bit of a nightmare from coaching <laughs> point of view because you you have jolly so many ways. So. We have our, our parents now to prefer to them. We have them all trained now. They, they book them all the home weekend, usually the last weekend in August. Yeah. Um, to last year, last year summer holidays. To be fair, I'm joking about that, but a lot of them do go there for the weekend and then maybe go on down to staying to Kenny for a week or go on to, down to Tip or you know, South Tip or whatever or down to Clare, Kerry and all. So to be fair, they do plan their holidays yeah. uh, to give them credit for it. So, uh, but it's a great weekend with connections with Alexa. McCarthy Boris, um, with uh, stayed in Kilsheen and Kilcash, uh, Silvermain stayed with us in the Fila. Uh, we've been down in Thurlis, Sarsfields, and Potty McCormick a few times. Great man, great hurling man. So I have plenty of, with plenty of uh, hurling. I know a few lads from Kildangan. So um, I have plenty of tip connects now. Yeah, that's that's excellent. Um, look, uh, thanks very much, Cahill, for joining us on the Premier View. We wish Owen Rua all the best and Tyrone in 2021. And uh, We'll be with you for the championship for our own mini league in fantasy Ireland. Great stuff, Mick, and thanks for having me on. No Hope you enjoy the fun Archmonster.ie. Okay, let's move on to the final part of this week's podcast. In that, Mike McCarthy chats to John O'Shea. John O'Shea currently resides in Birmingham in the UK, in the county of Warwickshire. John O and Mike discuss how the All Britain Championship works, what it's like to hurl abroad and to hurl in the UK, and the sense of community you have from being involved in a club in the UK. John O also talks about the foundations of John Mitchell's club in Birmingham, and they discuss briefly as well about John O's time in charge or involved with the Warwickshire County team. Jono provides a little bit of six degrees of separation to some of our most recent guests. Back in the early 2000s, Jono replaced Damien Young as the GA officer in Waterford IT. That was at a time when Waterford IT were competing for Fitzgibbon Cup titles on a near annual basis, and John O'Shea played a key role during that time in developing that GA club in the college, as did Damien Young. If you have not heard that Damien Young interview with Mike yet, you need to take two hours out of your day. You need to go listen to that podcast. 
I guarantee you it is the best hurling podcast or hurling interview you're going to hear this year. The knowledge from Damien is, it's not in short of extraordinary. Go and listen to it. As well as having a connection to Damien Young, Jono also coached uh, a very recent guest uh, back in 2005-2006 as well. That guest is Stone Cold Philly Austin. We had Philip Austin on the podcast recently chatting about all things Tipperary football um, just after his re- announcing his recent retirement. Jono coached him to an all-earned title back in 2005-2006 in Ward of IT as well. Okay, so let's get on to the interview. Over to you, Mike. Okay, we're delighted to be joined on the Premier View this week by John O'Shea of uh, John Mitchell's Warwickshire GA in Birmingham. Uh, you're very welcome, John. Thanks very much, Mike. Great to be on. Uh, so, John, look, uh, straight into it. Uh, what took you over to the UK and how did you get involved in the GA over there? Uh, well, I went over in September 2010, actually the day after Tip Fundy All-Ireland, um, to start teaching, uh, do my teaching degree in Bangor in North Wales. So... When I when I was there, there was I'd say there was about fifteen or sixteen Irish lads who who played uh, played GA. So we played Gaelic football uh, and won actually a British championships with um, with Bangor, which was I think the first time that the university had done had done that, um, which was which was great. Like it was just a combination of lads from all over the country, and we had a couple of English lads who took up the game that year just for something to do. So it was uh, it was kind of and we had um, a guy called Keith Begley who's done a lot of work with. Um, awfully teams down through the years. Clareman originally, um, he was he just happened to be over doing a master's in sports psychology, and he decided to take the team, and that was like that kind of that kind of made it, and that was a great a great year. And then towards the end of that year, obviously, had I was qualifying as a primary school teacher and needed to do my NQT year in in England or Wales somewhere, so I started applying for jobs and uh, applied for a couple of jobs in. In Birmingham on the off chance because I was, I was just kind of picking areas so like applied for a lot of jobs in Manchester, Cardiff, uh, Leeds, Birmingham, just the main, main cities and got an interview in a Catholic school in Birmingham and that was July 2011 and 10 years later I'm still in the same school and uh, down, in, down in Birmingham. Very good. Okay, what's the GA scene like there and, and how did you get involved in it? Uh, so the GA scene in Birmingham, it's part of like Warwickshire County, but Warwickshire County is um, not the traditional kind of say county um, of Warwickshire that the, say the, the, the council um, say. It's a mixture of, you've got Birmingham, you've got Wolverhampton, it goes as far north as Nottingham, you've got Leicester, you've got teams in Northampton, you've got teams in Corby, which is further on from Northampton. So there's around 14 clubs in, in Warwickshire and about four of them play hurling. Um, so it's as a Gaelic football county, it's well established, and teams are teams are well established, and they've got well established underage structures. Hurling has um, has kind of fluctuated depending on like a, a number of factors, like people coming over and that. So how I got involved with John Mitchell's was actually going back to going back to Bangor. We were Six Nations was on, and we we're in our local pub, and one of the girls I was doing my PGC with was from Barnsley, and she um, she said, "Oh, my friend is up for the weekend," and her boyfriend is Irish. And I was like, oh, grand, that's, you know, fair enough. So he came to the pub, got chatting to him. He's from Latin, James Dwyer from Latin, and just kind of got talking to him. He said, oh, we're living in Birmingham, whatever. So then got the job and I was like, right, I'm going to play GA. So I said, I'll, I'll look up, look up James. So I gave James a text and I was like, I'm after moving to Birmingham. Who do you play with? Um, all right, to come out training or whatever. 
And he said, yeah, no bother. And that was with John Mitchell. So he brought me out to my first training session uh, out in Parton Heron, which, which is the county grounds. Uh, at the time, we were using that as, for our training and matches. Um, and yeah, that's how, that's how I got involved. Uh, a Latin man got me involved. <laughs> Very good. Keep Westlands all sticking together. Um, so can, can, you explain, <laughs> can you explain the, the various championships you have over there and how they're structured? Yeah, so football is, you've got senior... Uh, reserve and then junior so the reserve is for second teams um, and they restructured that in the last couple of years so the senior championship in football is two groups two groups of four and then they just they play each other and then they've got semi-finals and finals um, and that's generally between John Mitchell's Sean McDermott have won I think 14 out of the last 15 then you've got Roger Casemans of Coventry and Nate Porg Leicester they're generally the four strongest teams in the last couple of years and before you had St. Barnabas from Nottingham were in there and then you've got your reserve uh, championship which is second teams and then you've got uh, your junior which is um, in the league kind of division two division three teams so they are to be fair they're very they're very competitive in football um, there's nothing really between between the teams you've got those top four and senior who are kind of head and shoulders above the rest but on any given day the other teams can can be anyone else in Harlan it's quite it's different there's been in the 10 years since I've been been over, the championship structure has changed quite a lot. So when I first played, it was two semi-finals and a final. Um, and at that time, we had uh, Full and Gales from Manchester involved uh, because there was no hurling in Lancashire. So they were they were involved. But then they a team in Liverpool started up and Yorkshire Emeralds uh, in Leeds, they formed uh, the Lancashire Championship. So then it was our, ourselves, Barnabas, Aaron Gabra in Ardenton, uh, Roger Casements in Coventry and again it was that kind of four teams and then for a while we had a team called St. Declan's who were um, based out of Oxford I think and they they have since amalgamated into London uh, generally what happens is the winner of the World Championship goes into the All-Britain Championship um, in the last couple of years you've had ourselves the winners of Lancashire who are generally full and gales and then the London Intermediate Champions and you play a semi-final and then a final now, that's determined by the previous year's All-Britain champion. So, if, for example, if we won the All-Britain, we'd be into the final the following year. Uh, and then the, the other two teams play off in the semi-final. Um, and that's, that's generally play, that's played at the, at, the end of, at the end of the year. Um, a couple of years ago, the Britain GA, they, they decided to trial um, an All-Britain championship that was separate to the county championships, where you had a group of seven. So there was ourselves... Full and Gale, St. Declan's, and then four of the intermediate teams. So the intermediate teams in London who weren't second teams. And then we played each other and then the top four went to a semi-final and then um, played off. And that was that was really good. We got, we got loads of games, but because of travel and different things and clashes with the other with the London Championship, especially, it didn't kind of continue, which is a shame. Um, but we've and then We've we've played like we've played lots of matches in London as like through the, the All Britain and like we are currently All Britain champions because it wasn't played last year. So when you win the All Britain, you go into the All Ireland series at junior level. Um, and traditionally, you'd, it would rotate around. So you play one year, you play Connacht, another year you play Ulster, another year you play Leinster, and then that would rotate between home and away. So you do three years. The um, the the All Britain winners would play. At home, and then the next, oh, sorry, four years because months was, and then the next four years, the All Britain team will play away. But again, they've tweaked it in the last couple of years so that the winners of Britain play the winners of Ulster in what's called, a, I think it's called a bridging final. 
So we played the first of them uh, 2019 when we played um, on Rua from Derry. Um, so yeah, so it's 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 a good it's it's a good standard once you kind of progress. Um, and I, Full and Gale Gale got to a an all an All Ireland Junior Final, I think nearly ten years ago now. But no team, no British team has won the Junior. But I think a London team has won the the Intermediate. Right, and, and is it hard to keep players there, or is there a high, a high turnover of players? Uh, yeah, mass massively high turnover. Like so, when I arrived. There was, um, I think, six of us arrived the same year, and all, all of them are gone. They're all, they've all either, uh, I think they've all moved back to Ireland. Uh, but you, you, it's generally, it's very transient, like similar to what um, Fergal said last week um, in Australia, like lads are just constantly moving. COVID has obviously had, had an impact um, across Britain with GAA, like, but definitely with us, with Hurling, because naturally the, the pool of hurlers in Ireland is quite, is relatively uh, small, so you can imagine over over here. Um, so, like the last couple of years, we've lost three or four, five lads, and not many have come in. Whereas before, you'd always have a steady turnover. Like if you'd lose, you'd lose four, you might get five in, or you might get four in. So you're constantly, you're constantly trying to trying to pick up lads, and you're constantly trying to find out what lads are doing. It helps that we've got three universities in Birmingham because um, a lot of lads come over to do physio. Um, so we, we can kind of nab them there, or obviously construction involved in the club. We got a couple of, couple of uh, big companies, so there's always kind of work floating around for lads. Um, but yeah, turnover is quite high, and then in the in the last twelve months, especially, uh, we've we've seen a lot of a lot of lads go home um, because there was no there was no games until I think September last year. Whereas at home, you had the games in yeah. June and July, so a lot of lads decided, you know, I'll, I'll go home. So I, I saw back in 2018, you, you had an under-16 team that won an All-Britain Championship. So um, would many of them have been, I suppose, children of, of Irish people? Or are, do you get many natives, uh, English people, playing the game? And is there much of an outreach programme to get them involved? So the, yeah, so in the club, the, so John, John Mitchell is interesting because we, the Hurland side of it joined up with the football side uh, in 2019 before. So originally... When the club was formed, it was all the one, and then a split happened. I think in the seventies or eighties. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure the ins and outs of it, but it was when I when I joined Mitchell's, it was a hurling club, and then you had the football club. Um, it made sense in 2019 to join because the lads who played football with Mitchell generally heard with Mitchell's and vice versa, and we we all we all drank in the same pub, and you know, so it made sense. But originally, we were a hurling club. And the underage was was actually started in the hurling in the early nineties to kind of revive the club, and the likes of Anne Healy, Frank Healy, um, who else was there? Billy Collins, who the All Britain Trophy is actually named named after, and his his son is current Warwickshire Warwickshire chairman. They kind of set about reviving the club, and actually that underage team went across to Ireland in the 90s to play in the Fela. So from 93 to 97, I think, they represented Warwickshire in the Fela with a couple of players from Aaron Gabran, things like that. Um, and they were the backbone of the kind of the hurling club in the early 2000s that won three in a row All-Britons. Um, Eamon Mahoney for Clownty actually managed, managed those teams um, and they represented Warwickshire. So they kind of drove it on. And like Matthew Macklin would have played underage with Mitchells Mm-hmm. and would have been on those failure teams um, so like the Healy's the Bruffs uh, Sean Nash lads of that who then 
played with Mitchells and, and are now given back into the underage. So that kind of fell away a bit on the hurling side. And then after the after the Laurie Marrow win in 2017, it was decided to revive it. And that's going from strength to strength. Bruffy, Chris is involved. He They get about 45 kids between under seven and under 17. And then on the football side, has been long established. Um, and that's the one thing I'll say about Warwickshire as a whole is underage football is very strong in Warwickshire. They've got, if you go out to partner here, obviously pre-COVID, if you went out to partner here on any Saturday, you just have blitzes going on all day. Um, and then during the summer, you've got Tuesdays and Thursdays, you've got underage games going on. So I think on the Tuesdays, the 12s and 14s, and then on Thursdays, the, the 16s and the minors. Um, and in, in Mitchell's underage, I think they're getting between 150 and 180 out every week. Um, most of them would be either uh, sons and daughters of Irish or grandsons and granddaughters. Um, but the football, because it's so well established, we've got links with, with primary schools and got links with St. With Peter's and Solihull. Um, so we are getting a few who would have no Irish, um, no Irish background, just they've played it in school, um, their friends are playing it, and they're coming out. Um, and we've got a folk like we're lucky in that we've got a focal point. We've got we've just recently bought our own pitch, um, so we've got that area. And we use we we use St Peter's and Solihull. They've been brilliant with us over for for years. Um, so we've got those little focal points, and it helps then that obviously you've got the parents who are either Irish or second generation, and they're driving it as well. Um, so yeah, like we we are at the, on the football side, we get a far more kind of English. Um, but it's interesting when you talk to the kid, like I talk to kids in school and I show them GA every, every, every year, like, cause the new group, they're far more interested in hurling because it's just, it's just something completely unique. Whereas Gaelic football looks like rugby league, mm-hmm. looks like rugby union. Um, but you get a lot of lads who kind of, a lot of English lads who play Gaelic football and they've come from a rugby background. Yeah. And they're able to pick it up quick enough. I yeah. yeah. And they're, they're fit, they're strong. You just, you know, you can, Getting the hand pass it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what's the, the we'll say you mentioned we, we spoke to Fergal O'Reilly in Melbourne, and obviously, they're a good bit behind you. You've bought your own field that you have now, but what's, what's your long term goal um, with, the, with, with the club? Is it to, to compete at a higher level and, and not have that transient nature of, of, of relying on Irish guys who are, who are traveling over and that to try and get a uh, an, an English population playing the game is—is is that the goal, or, or are you happy enough to keep going? Uh, on the hurling side, we're we're definitely looking to bring bring through bring through the the young lads. Like we've got, I think we've got six of them, six of last year's under 17s training with us now. Um, and there's a couple there's a couple of them who who won't be far off the team this year. They're, they're hardy enough. Um, the problem with hurling over here is, is at a young age they need to be doing it the whole time. Uh, even more so than at home, but we're always competing with different sports. Um, the football side has a good flow of lads coming through the club from, from say, English-born lads, either who are natives or have um, Irish family. And that's always been the way with Mitchells. And actually with Warwickshire, like if you look at the, the main clubs in Warwickshire, like Sean McDermott have probably, now probably 85% of their team is English-born. Um, St. Brendan's the same. Casements, uh, a little bit lower, but again, they're 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 bringing them through. So, like on the football side, Warwickshire is well set up for that kind of uh, conveyor belt, um, and they they've got at a county level at underage, they've got a good system. They go over, they they play in the fail every year, 
Um, there's a gang, I think they're the under-12s, they play before a game in the Leinster Championship every year. Um, so they've got good contacts and, good, and a good system. So I suppose from the hurling side, is just trying to replicate that and try, similar to in the 90s when the Bruffs, the Nashes, the Healy's and all came through, it's kind of get that again and kind of have that kind of ownership because it's tough to kind of build build a team when you're when you're getting six seven lads going every year and you're bringing in lads and it's it's quite transient so that's that's the the long term aim but uh, in fo- in football we have we have that kind of thing like i think on our, our senior football side there's just five or six lads who are who are english born who have who are like the backbone um of of the team and have been there have been there for years um so we've got we've got a good history on the football side of bringing lads through it's just trying to uh, replicate that on the hurling side yeah and um, does does being away from home but involved in the GA does that make you feel closer to home? Is that is that? Oh, def- yeah, definitely. Um, it's uh, like where I am. Where I am in Birmingham is is a bit away from like where the the Irish kind of are now. Like so, the club will be based in Hawkeen and Shirley, and I'm over the other side of the city. So it's great, it's great going out training, great going out with, uh, going out with the lads, um, and just kind of catching up and watching the games together. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not too far away from, from the GA with my dad. He's constantly keeping me updated, as you well know. But um, but it, it it is great, like, and it's great as well, kind of mixing with lads from different counties and kind of getting to know uh, how how their counties are getting on and different things like that. So, it, yeah, it, it, it does bring us together. And as one of the lads once said, when you join a GA club in, in Britain or America or wherever, straight away you've got 16, 16 17 friends because... You know, we're all we're all in it together. Like everyone's in the same boat. Yeah. So, um, do do expats or as you, as you mentioned, second generation, uh, do they bring their children to ch- to train and have a feeling of being Irish, being being close to their Irish heritage? Um, at the minute, the way training is working, we train just after the the juveniles on the pitch, so like there there would be there, and yeah, you would like at matches and everything, you'd you'd have kids kids there. Um, and at some training session, yeah, you would. With this, with this kind of new base that we have, new pitch, I think that's just going to develop and just going to become, become as I said, more of a, a focal point and a community point for for those families. So, just moving on, you've been you've been a selector with with Warwickshire GA in the past, and I've been very unlucky. You lost a record final in eighteen, the semi final in nineteen, um, and as you said, you, you won Larry Maher in, in seventeen. So, c- can you make that step up? Do you think in going forward? Um, I. If you were to ask me in nineteen, I'd say yes, definitely. Like I got involved in nineteen after the after the seventeen and eighteen. The manager moved on, and Chris Chris Bruff, who I mentioned earlier, he took over. Like Chris has done everything with Warwickshire. He, I think he played in their first game in two thousand and three, and now has managed them. And um, he won an All Star back a couple of years ago as well. Um, if you ask me in nineteen, I'd say definitely we could make a step up. Since then, we've had a few few lads, few few of our big players leave, return home. And then COVID is hitting that kind of since the eighteen season when we lost we lost a good chunk of lads we were kind of we we were punching above our weight in two B like we pulled off in two thousand nineteen we stayed up by beating Donegal in the playoff final and it was uh, lads who've been involved in Warwickshire said it was one of their sweetest wins because it came came out or not came out of nowhere but we were massive underdogs Donegal were after beating us heavily the week before uh, um, so that that was a, a high point but yeah I think. Post COVID now is going to be it's going to be tough to kind of bring it bring it on. Um, 
just because we've we've lost quite a lot of players and with everything that's going on, no one is kind of moving over. Whereas before, you'd always, as mentioned, you'd always have lads coming over. Um, and like Brexit as well has probably had an impact on it. Lads thinking twice about moving to moving to the UK. And then the last couple is Dubai is a, is, is a big draw for lads in construction. Whereas before they come to England, now there's so much building going on in Dubai. You've got lads moving to Dubai now. Um, and don't blame them. The weather over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, the GA t- took the um, decision earlier on in the year that there'd be no one from the UK or New York playing in the championships this year. That must be very disappointing um, for the second year in a row not to be able to play in the, in the Irish championships. It, it, to be honest, it is. Um, but they took the decision early. Whereas last year we were still humming and hawing. We didn't, we didn't know for a while. Like. It's a lot harder over here to get time off work. Um, for like, if if you're to turn around to your employer and say I need to I need to quarantine for uh, ten days because I went over and played a match, um, I don't think they'd look they'd look favourably on it. Whereas at home, you know, there, there is that kind of the GA is like that, mm. and there is that kind of leeway. Um, so I think I'm I'm glad they took the decision early. Yeah, yeah. So do, do you like the structure of the All Ireland Hurling Championships? Um, in the fact that it's different, I suppose, from the football where where Every team gets to play for Sam Maguire. The the structure with the Laurie Maher, um, Nicky Rackard, Christy Ring, Lee McCarthy. Is that a, is that a good structure? Do you think? And is it something that football, who have been fighting it, should should look at? I do you know. I think it's it's been brilliant for hurling in the so called weaker counties. Like if you look at Kildare, um, while Kildare were always kind of strong in the last couple of years, they've they've come on a ton. Donegal have come on a ton. Um, Armagh as well. Like it gives it gives counties like I suppose like Warwickshire London and the Longfords and everything something genuine to aim for mm-hmm. and they play it they play at their level I would if I was to change them I'd make more games more games available because they, they've, they've kind of streamlined them a bit more I'd, I'd get them playing more games um, at the lower levels because that's the only way you can develop is playing matches um, and playing matches at your own level and then making that step up um, I think I see no reason why the football can't go that way. Um, the the issue would be the promotion of it, um, because often the lower the lower um, tour uh, competitions in Ireland aren't really promoted that well. Um, yes, we got a day in Crow Park, which is brilliant, and it's 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 a great aim. So before I move on to the, move on to the quick fire questions, what was your your GA career in Ireland like before before you went over to the UK? Uh, uneventful, I'd say. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> So I, I started off with Fogs up in Dublin, uh, uh, underage Fogs up, up in Dublin under um, Michael Devan from Clonelty. Um, he'd be an uncle of John Devan. Um, so he, he trained me all the way up. Um, we would have won, we would have been like the first underage team in the club. So we won an under 16 championship um, with actually Endo Sullivan, who was involved in football, PRO. Um, he, was, he was coach. So I would have played up until under 21 with them and then uh, moved to Anacarty and had a couple of years around Anacarty. We were betting a couple of West finals um, in Hurling football, betting a junior final, I think, in my last year. Um, so, yeah, kind of uneventful. Like Highlights would have been um, Hurling with the father for a couple of years, which was which was interesting at the time. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you, can imagine, you can imagine. Um, but that was, that was, quite, that was quite, um, quite good now, in fairness. And then... Uh, yeah, playing playing with Airog, really enjoyed playing with Airog. Um, made like 
as I said, we didn't we didn't get over line. Um, Clonality, that brilliant Clonality team, about two years out of the few years I was there. Um, and then I think Kate comes about us in a junior final as well. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was pretty uneventful. Really, didn't really win much. <laughs> Very good. So before I, I, I let um, any of my guests go, I'd like to get them to answer uh, kind of uh, one word questions. So, um, West Senior Hurling Championship winners 2021. Uh, I'm going to have to say Aerog. <laughs> uh, do the two John get on when Tenoti play Aerog? Um it was it was frosty for a while, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think we're we're okay now. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, Dan Breen winners twenty twenty one. Ooh, um, it's hard to look past Killadangham, but I'd love to see Kirawan do it. Yeah. Um, All Ireland Cena hurling winners. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say tip. I actually think this season might suit them better than last season. Very good. Uh, the football. Um. I, I'd like to say Kerry, but I think we'll be Dublin again. Um, UK club championship winners. Uh, ooh, if the All Britain goes ahead, I'm going to say John Mitchell's. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And uh, is Colin O'Sullivan able to hurl? <laughs> um, so Sully, actually, a coach Sully in college, as uh, he was goalie as a fresher, and yeah, he there was a few times. Um, where it was, he was just guessing because he's, he's pretty, he's pretty blind. I remember we played one game and he made a brilliant save, and I was that, that was some save, Sully. So yeah, I just, I just looked at the mid, at the middle ball. <laughs> <laughs> very good, John O'Shea. It was a pleasure to have you on the Premier View. Thanks very much. No problem at all, Michael. Take it easy. <laughs> well, that's all we have time for this week, folks. Thanks again to Carl and John for joining us, and to Marty and Marissa for their contributions. And watch out for our next pod on Thursday afternoon. To Bradarnaboo.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 